Welcome back to Night Cheese. This is Steven. And I'm Tim. And I'm Jared. And we appreciate you joining us in the new year. Um, the planet is still here um, as the time of this recording, which is, you know, I think things are maybe maybe things are looking up. We'll, we'll see. But um, all that to say, uh, we welcome you to this week's episode and our first episode of 2021 entitled Thanks a Lot, PETA. Um, so that maybe that will make sense by the end of the episode, but, uh, we will be, uh, diving into, um, a 2002 British post apocalyptic horror drama to, uh, this week called 28 days later from, um, acclaimed director, Danny Boyle. Um, and so we'll be talking, talking about that, uh, in this episode and uh, just seeing what the conversation brings. Um, thanks again for joining us, everyone. This is, um, this is a, a fun uh, opportunity to talk about this film being that it's about, you know, a virus that gets out of control um, and has a lot of, uh, well, zombie like uh, effects in, in, in a manner of speaking um, that I don't know that this this film really gets uh, classified at least by Danny Boyle and others as a zombie movie but I think it kind of gets publicly accepted as one or at least credited for sort of reinvigorating mm-hmm. uh, the zombie trope or story in mainstream films and stuff uh, from here on out um, so let's uh, let's jump right in uh, you guys and and talk about 28 days later starring uh, Killian Murphy uh, which I an early film for him um, people who don't recognize that name you may know him um, probably probably his biggest or his widest exposure is in a couple of Christopher Nolan movies he he played the uh, scarecrow in Nolan's Batman. Uh, series and he was also the target uh, in Inception um, as well and he's he's I mean he's he's a really great actor he's done some other things as well but uh, those those things might might give you the most remembrance uh, if you if you if you haven't heard that name before but uh, he's in it uh, Naomi Harriet Naomi Harris uh, friend I say I almost said like friend I want to say friend of the podcast uh, someone whose <laughs> pre- previous roles uh, we we have really appreciated Christopher Eccleston uh, yeah. also in this film and uh, also uh, Brendan Gleeson so uh, uh, among, among others so let's uh, let's go in so this was my first time this was my first exposure to uh no pun intended um (laughs) to 28 days later but i understand that both of you had some previous viewings so um jared you uh in the past had mentioned this film so why don't you share with us your your history with it or um how it how it kind of came to mind sure um so yeah i had i think mentioned it a a while back um when we first started when i kind of first came on with you guys as being one of the on the short list uh, that i was interested in talking about uh, sometime um so i saw it when it first came out i think i remember the previews for it and everything and i think i saw it in the theater Um, this would have been when you and i were in college together then yeah yeah okay um i was still avoiding horror films at this point i think okay so yeah yeah so that may be why we've never really talked about it um but um yeah it it was interesting to me uh because it was a little bit of a different take on 
the zombie um, genre where it's fast moving zombies, very fast moving zombies. So, and it, you know, it just looked, I mean, it's, it's so grainy, like it's so grainy in a good way um, to me, you know, it's obviously, I mean, going back to 2003 when a lot more stuff was being shot on um, film, but um, you know, so so for that reason, uh, it's something I'd always been interested in. But then it, it kind of clicked with me lately um, as I've been doing some uh, part-time writing for, for a local newspaper and doing stuff on COVID-19 and the vaccine rollout and everything uh, that, that for the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine, there's a 28-day gap between <laughs> injections. It's two injections. Um, and you have to get them 28 days apart, uh, interestingly enough, just 28 days later. Uh, so that's kind of what, um, jogged my memory with it. Uh, and then <laughs> I, I didn't, I had completely forgotten the setup for the movie. I had completely forgotten the setup for the movie, which is, um, it starts out with, um, animal rights activists releasing, chimpanzees um from a laboratory well my full-time day job (laughs) that i just started today is doing communications for a chimpanzee sanctuary i actually got spit on by a chimp today oh no so a little red in the eyes there jared what i didn't i didn't get it in the eyes and it wasn't blood (laughs) but the, the the weird like it's it's just continuing the whole I really don't know if anything that happens is real anymore because it just the like the 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 blurred lines between life and art uh, have just gotten to the point where I don't know anymore. But anyway, I feel fully qualified to talk about this film after all those various setups and connections. <laughs> All right. Well, Tim, uh, Tim, that's oh man, that's, a, that's amazing. Person. Good luck topping that, Tim. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, Tim actually has a monkey. Yeah, he actually uh, has a chimp in his house right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he tackled me early. No, just... <laughs> Tim actually has the virus. Yeah. So, I've only got a few Badger. minutes to talk, you guys. <laughs> no, man, I can't follow that. That's amazing. <laughs> No, I, you know, I'm trying to remember. I do for, I, I didn't see it when it came out in theaters, but I do remember it because it was right around the time I was getting out of high, 2003 was when I was, uh, 2003 was when I was a senior in high school. And I remember, you know, you're, you're, you're getting old, you're coming at that age where, you know, it's uh, easier to like, this is going to sound weird, like to see rated R movies, you know, you're kind of at that age where you're able to without, you know, like parent, you know, going to theater. So I remember, I, although I didn't get to see it in theaters, I was really interested. I think initially because of this whole like, ooh, this is kind of, this used to be off limits. Now we can watch it. But um, just the, the kind of, uh, just the way it looked to me, the way like the sort of almost independent, you know, low budget nature of the film Um Usually, I think sometimes when you're more constrained, things are things tend to be scarier and like more uh, jarring. And so, I, for some reason, all that just kind of really made me interested. I don't, I didn't see it in theaters, but I did see it sometime around um, when it came out or after. And I remember being being pretty you know, really impressed. I think with what Jared said, you know, just kind of the graininess of it. If everything just felt really distinct, and it felt like something different, you know, something I had hadn't seen before. Um, even though there's, you know. T- you know scores and scores of, of zombie films this just felt 
felt very different. And um, yeah, I just, I remember really, really enjoying it a lot. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing to talk about how the, um, the visuals of the film really added to it. It at the time was um, one of the first uh, mainstream films to be shot pretty much entirely on digital. Um, oh, it was, so, sh- it was shot on digital. It was one of the first. Oh man. I th- um, yeah. I was so sure. I didn't remember that. I was so sure it was shot on film by the way it looked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, so there's, there's that element to it. The budget itself was only $8 million. Um, and it went on to make, uh, 82 million worldwide. Wow. So, uh, one of the most profitable, uh, films of the, of uh, profitable horror films of the, of 2002 anyways. I mean, not of, not of all films. I mean, we are deal. We are right in the midst of Lord of the Rings releases at this point in time. So it, you know, um, but um, but but really though, uh, just I just did a just did a quick search, and even in the genre of uh, horror films, um, in, in two thousand and two is really you kind of start to get a resurgence. We we've got twenty eight days later, and this is also the same year that we get M Night Shyamalan Signs, which I mean your mileage may vary on that, but that's one that I still really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also uh, you also have the beginning of the immigration of these classic Japanese horror films, The Ring and The Grudge, um, are both coming over at this time as well. And then you also have things like Resident Evil um, and Halloween Resurrection. So, you know, so, you know there's, there's still a few clunkers in there, but mm-hmm. also, you know, really kind of the, the crest of, uh, you know, the, the swell of this wave of um, sort of rejuvenated horror. Um, because, you know, in the 90s, I mean, you really didn't have much on the forefront outside of maybe the Scream franchise, at least from what I'm remembering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, there were, you know, maybe a few other things there, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but not getting a ton of big mainstream attention. So mm-hmm. uh, for this one to come around when it did, uh, quite an interesting. And it is, uh, you know, it, it, it is a, uh, <laughs> I don't know when we really want to get into the thick of the plot. I just want to push that off just a little bit more. <laughs> but um, but boy, oh boy, did it look and sound 90s in, in, in a lot of ways, 90s, early 2000s. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember, you know, the opening scene, you know, or one of the early scenes is um, Killian Murphy waking up in the hospital bed, and of course his hair and his—he's got—he's grown a beard, and his and his, his face is his hair is all disheveled and stuff, and um, you know, looking like someone would, depending on how long they were out. Um, and then uh, once he gets to um, his desired look. He definitely looks like, you know, uh, somebody who saw like 1998 George Clooney on the front of People magazine, you know, with the like Caesar haircut and 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 uh, and, and all this other stuff. But anyway, it's just, uh, you know, as was the time Eccleston had that that weird little short haircut too. Um uh, died blonde, you know, uh, and it was, you know, they just uh, looked like they were going to go to a Sum 41 concert or something. I, I don't know. But um, it's, you know, it's it, it's okay. It, it, That's it, funny. It's I hadn't, I'd never even <laughs> thought of it because, 
like I guess that and, and they may have done it intentionally that way just to kind of keep up with the styles but like with Murphy I was just like yeah well he had a head injury and part of his hair is goofy and so he just shaved it all off and Eccleston's in the military and so it never even like it never even crossed my mind that like the, the yeah the George Clooney thing would have been really popular around um, that time so. and also too I, I don't know if this was just the horror genre or what but we talked about this with Event Horizon too like that that sort of industrial grunge uh, yeah. type music um, that, yeah. that was was everywhere um, at the time, and it's just uh, uh, you know, you know, I, I don't mean to be too critical because I was a fan of that. I remember, uh, you know, while we were, uh, especially when while we were in college, there was a, a band well known for that, at least on campus, uh, called Skillet, uh, which which I was a big fan of at the time, and so they. You know, I, I'm not uh, averse to that that genre, but it didn't age well for me as a fan. So going back, it's just funny to see it in the time capsule that it is. You know, and that mm-hmm. and those things don't take away from the quality of the film. I'm not I'm not ready to start ripping into it or anything. It was actually really <clears throat> pretty gruesome. You know, uh, in, in a lot of areas, and um, the I, I'm always amazed, regardless of how much permission. A production gets from a city or or whatever when you can get a yeah. great shot of of a of a notoriously well populated place being completely empty mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, I, I wondered how they did like how they did some of those if they really were mm-hmm. or if they you know fudged mm-hmm. parts of it and i i, I, I well story story time i did look <laughs> this up so okay. apparently yeah. um I don't know if this was like on the, in the section of London where Big Ben was and stuff for that shot, or mm-hmm. if it was just another places in the city because they talked about it being really late at night and that scene was in broad daylight. So I'm not exactly sure how they pulled that one off, but they did say they would work with the police. One thing about being digital in the film is they said you know they could sh- they could set up for scenes really quickly. Yeah, and he said you know we could get six a six shot setup. Mm-hmm in the amount of time it would just take us for one for film uh, at the time. And so he said, you know, law enforcement were actually really nice to us <laughs> during the production. If we needed to go in get a shot and get out, you know, nice. um, but they talked about um, doing one sequence in London late at night said they, they, so they shut the road down at like 4am, I think, and like gave them an hour mm. or something um, to open it back up. But if they knew they were going to run long, they were going to have to tell the people who were mainly going to be like drunk clubbers and stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, that there was that they weren't going to be able to go anywhere for a while. So apparently, and I'm not saying this is good or bad, but it was effective as they hired a bunch of attractive women to go deliver the news. And apparently they all took it a lot better that way. Um <laughs> And allegedly including Danny Boyle's own daughter, like they just you know, <laughs> sent them out to go break the news to them. And everybody took it a little bit nicer than hearing it from uh, from the actual production crew. Yeah. Maybe that's um, something to consider for, you know, like COVID news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe so. Uh, you know, you know, COVID telegrams and stuff. Or, I, don't know. Uh, I don't know how that would work. See, um, I, I, was a, so I, I, I was the same as you. I was very... I, I was impressed initially, but even watching it again, I was so amazed at how they were able to make 
you know, London look so empty <clears> and so desolate. I was just, so I would do the same thing, looked up and I, I was impressed there. I guess there was one really brief scene. Um, it's kind of more midway, not quite midway when they're actually in a car driving kind of through London. And there was one there on the M1 highway, like this notoriously busy highway. And they actually were not able to shut that down, but police gave them like a two hour block of time one Sunday morning. And they said, here, yeah. seven to 9 a.m., you guys, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll slow traffic down. And they said they're, you know, they're trying to make, you know, obviously look empty. And they had like 10, a 10 camera setup, just 10 cameras all over the place to try to catch, you know, as much as they could with no traffic. And they said they got about one minute of usable uh, footage, nice. <laughs> which thankfully, you know, they, you know, it was enough. It was, it was what they needed, but just, yeah. uh, I, I can't imagine that has to be, oh, man, that's, that had to have been incredibly hard to pull off. Yeah. Mm. Yes, indeed. Um, before we get too deep, I wanted to, <laughs> I forgot to tell you guys. So I was talking about this film and this is a story that my wife had told me a while back, but I couldn't remember. Well, we couldn't remember what movie they were talking about, but, um, I'm a mutual friend through my sister-in-law and apparently her, um, she's, she's a, a big movie fan as well. And, and her husband and, and, uh, they were, um, he was trying to get her to watch this one night and she didn't know anything about it. And so how he got away with this, I don't know. Or, you know, the fact that he's still alive even. Um, but, but he said, she was like, well, what's it about? And she, he goes, um, you know, it's like finding Nemo, but with monkeys. Um, and she's like, okay, great. And sat down and she sent me a message, uh, after, uh, mentioning this, this film. And she said, it was not. <laughs> but um like you know 10 you know five, even five minutes into the film uh with the first kind of act of violence you're like oh my goodness <laughs> i'm sitting there thinking that in the back of my mind i was like oh that poor woman i'm so I feel so bad for her <laughs> that's yeah that that's the ultimate like yeah i don't even know i don't even know what to, i was trying to think of like something realistic that you could say about it that's still like you know technically true but but skips all the bad parts like it's like uh, tommy boy it's, just, it's a road yeah. trip maybe. coma coma patient retreats to the countryside to recover you know <laughs> i mean right. like, like yeah. the very beginning and oh, the very gosh. end and we'll just skip everything in between it, it's basically <laughs> eat pray love right it, it is what it is. um but uh they're not, you know, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's a, um, I, I was impressed with um, how they were able to sort of address certain things in the film. Cause I think there were a couple of things as I was watching, I was like, well, I'm like, I'm not trying to pick it apart, but I have questions as I see things. And one thing I was confused by, because I was, you know, I, I especially, with now, obviously, the um, the chronology here is reversed because think this uh, property came out later. But me having only watched this today, I'm immediately thinking of like the first episode of The Walking Dead, where you know Rick leaves the hospital, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, is dealing with Atlanta the same way that uh, Jim, uh, the character here, is dealing with London. And um, the first thought was like, how? Because I've been to London before. It's like, how are there no cars anywhere? 
mm-hmm. why and everything. But I, I was it was it was cool of them in the sort of montage of him making his way around the city to come across a newspaper that said there was an evacuation, you know, ordered or whatever, and um, <clears throat> and so that was that was a nice thing. And they even sort of gave two different testimonies in the plot as to whether or not the virus was um, localized to England or if it had gone worldwide. And and I'll say, at least in this movie, it didn't answer that question. I'm aware there's a sequel, but um, I haven't seen that, and that's not really something I'd, I presume we'll be discussing tonight. But um, So I thought that was cool, too, that they never really, you know, they, they brought up that question, but they gave reasons as to why it would or wouldn't be mm-hmm. true without actually answering it uh, was, was a nice touch as well. Yeah. I know Danny Boyle, he said the director, he really, he said he really wanted to make the viewers kind of feel like survivors as well, that they were kind of following, you know, Jim along. And so I like how they kept it very local. Like, I think they were playing around with the idea of showing images of like, you know, Paris and New York, you know, people being affected in other places. But um, at some point, I don't know what, you know, they decided against that to keep it more just kind of conjecture, just you're kind of wondering maybe this is, you know, is this only happening here? Is this somewhere far off? You're kind of questioning a lot of the same things they are probably. Yeah. It does end up kind of being kind of a small story, um, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I, I like that um, because realistically, yeah. In a survivor story, how big can one person really, you know, this isn't a video game. This isn't you know, The Last of Us or something like that. You need how far can no spoilers, by the way, I haven't finished that game, but still it's it's a big, you know, big story. The, the first one. Or, yeah. 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 Because oh, okay. I didn't have a PlayStation for a few years when it came oh, out. Gotcha. So I'm yeah. Great. Great game. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of fun. Uh, well, fun is really the word, but it's really <laughs> good. Um, so, um <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, I, I like that it really is kind of a small story with the number of characters you actually get introduced to and, you know, how far they actually make it geographically, at, at least from, you know, the the story that we go, the journey we go on with them. Um, there, you know, there's a, there's a few... Um, few things that I will say I, I was just a little bit like uh, and maybe I was just trying to nitpick at the beginning but I don't think a lot of it is just the very early stuff like because I what was he he was out for like what a month was that the 28 days um, was I you know they kind of play I, I almost wonder if you can just interpret like 28 days as almost like a biblical 40 days and 40 nights thing because I'm not sure about the beginning, but it seems like a stretch even for the beginning that he would have, you know, you don't know how long he was in that room in the hospital by himself. Yeah. Um, and then, well, I can't really say this without. OK, so this is a, this is a spoiler if you don't if you don't want to hear this. Um, <laughs> but but he survives. And so at the end, like his hair has grown. It says 28 days later, but his hair has grown out a good bit from that buzz cut. So yeah. I think it was more, it was more than 28 days. Like I didn't remember that until I watched it again this time. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Hair does not grow from a buzz cut <laughs> to that length. We all know this now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Um, we've right. learned the hard yeah. way. That yeah. fast. So I almost wonder if like 28 days is just sort of a, 
almost like a 40 days and 40 nights biblical, like an, and you know, uh, indeterminate, whatever the word is amount of time, you know? Well, yeah. and it also is, isn't it? I think either one of you said this to me, or it was in the trivia that I read that it's like the average amount of time to reach peak immunity from the point of infection. Mm. Um, so it's almost like a play on that as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, if he's in a coma, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I I could just watch, you know, I could just binge Cobra Kai and I'm going to have a hard time getting up, let alone running, Mm -hmm. um, after a few hours. And so for him, you know, you know, the, the body is not prepared. I don't even think with the adrenaline. Of super, uh, by the way, of fast zombies, which I thought was was a great, which was a great choice on doing things a little differently. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, Boyle and and some of the other um, producers hired athletes to uh, mm-hmm. play the zombies just nice. to see like their flexibility and their mobility and stuff to kind of, you know, induce more fear in those wow. chase scenes and stuff. Um, but yeah, so you know that he's his body's going to be well enough to escape, uh, and those things. Or I was thinking, really, when he goes into the church uh, mm-hmm. at the very mm-hmm. beginning, which uh, I won't repeat the phrase here, but um, I got a big chuckle out of the um, the extreme. Ah, uh, should I say uh, duress? Oh, yeah, that. yeah, the graffiti on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah, it yeah. A pretty, it was a pretty intense apocalyptic message, um, <laughs> which uh, which I've never heard phrased that way before. Um, so we I've know we know too. Banksy may or may not have survived the not, <laughs> the zombie. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really minimalist. Yeah, work, oh, yeah, work yeah. On his part. Um, <laughs> He had to work fast. It turns out he used communion wine for it. You know, so it was <laughs> thematic. Um, but also he seems surprised to see all the bodies in the church. And I don't know how you don't smell that from blocks away. Um, or at least when you yeah. enter the building, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and, and when they, when he goes to his parents' house, they do show where like, as he's going up the stairs, he smells it then. So it was sort of yeah inconsistent there because they did do that, you know, in other parts, but not in, not in that part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe he just didn't have his sense of smell back yet. Uh, you know, maybe he had been, I don't know. I don't think that's the case. But, well, see, um, he, he was, a, you know, he was a bike courier. And so that's how we can justify that he could get up to speed because he had been doing a lot of like a lot cardio, of leg days, a lot of yeah. cardio, a lot of leg days. And so, you know, a month of downtime, you know, he, he was still that's up like to 30 speed. minutes for anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's um, uh, yeah, honestly, though, that is a good rationale for having that be is not for him to have the stamina to keep, you know, chasing after um, people. And so the also, like, I think there is, I don't want to call it a trope because that makes it sound like a criticism, but I think there is this sort of recurring theme in certain kinds of horror movies where your, your protagonist characters are like a step or two away from hope or rescue and um, something terrible happens that was totally avoidable mm-hmm. because of that sort of um, abandonment of hope. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those are heart-wrenching moments in films, but when executed well, you know, really add to the overall 
atmosphere of the movie. Um, so this movie has one of those moments with Brendan Gleeson, which is just, oh man, it's just, oh, it's awful. Um, and how he ends up meeting, his character ends up meeting his end. But the thing is, is that, so, I'll, you know, I'll spare all the details, but he ends up getting infected because he pretty much loses control of his emotions and, and does something to to infect himself um, on accident. And, of course, like there's no going back once you've been infected. Mm-hmm. But um, there's this really um, just really tense and, and horrible uh, ten- tense moment where, you know, like – his daughter is looking on and Jim has to decide whether or not he's going to kill him right in front of his daughter, which like my wife and I are yelling, like get her out of there. (laughs) She does not need to see what's about to happen. And then all of a sudden a soldier just pops up and shoots him. And I'm like, and it's not a soldier who just arrived on the scene It's clearly a soldier that's hiding somewhere. And so like they were not being quiet when they were on the scene of this particular environment, like the, the group that we had been following. So I don't exactly understand like, oh, now there's a zombie on the scene. Now I need to show myself and start mm-hmm. shooting. Like, why in the world? I, and maybe I missed something there, but I'm like, I I get the drama of the moment, but it really feels like that could have very easily been avoided. Well, yeah, I didn't really, I don't know about that. I mean, I think my thought would have been like, once we see later what they're really interested in, to me, it makes more sense of why they would have, not been particular like I, I don't know if maybe they were just looking to see you know who all's part of this group or whatever but when yeah. you see ultimately what they were there for it kind of makes more sense that they would want to have gotten him out of the way and you know i mean it is convenient that that he that ends up happening to him um for me i don't think i really had a problem with it i i, I think it made sense like narratively that that was just kind of his type of um you know sort of his character because he does he he almost gets them killed in in the tunnel by deciding to drive through the tunnel you know and so he he's he just sort of seems like that you know he's he's got a great heart you know i mean he was eager to save them comes out in full body armor or um riot gear whatever to, to to save them when they get in his building you know, great guy, but he's just one of these, like, he's like either super calm and mellow or, you know, just goes into a rage. A little, so a little <laughs> impulsive. Yeah. Right. A little, little frant there. So, <laughs> uh, fair enough. Um, so I, I, I was glad it made more sense. Like if they hadn't had that scene in the tunnel, um, it wouldn't have sold very well for me that this guy just all of a sudden, you know, lost his temper and then did something to get himself infected. But like, since they narrowly escaped it before, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is just, this is kind of who he is. It was, it would eventually have happened one way or another. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point. Um, the other thing, and I think this might be my last like little nagging thing with it, which th- th- this is not, I mean, and it's not a huge thing because it ends up becoming something else. So I'm telling you about the moment that I see this one thing before it evolves into mm-hmm. being a plot point that it is. But um, I ended up saying out loud, I was like, this does not feel like a good look that the first black man I remember seeing in this film is chained up 
in the uh, oh. in, in the back in in the in the in the castle. <laughs> I'm like, and you know, they cut back, and you know, a couple of the soldiers, you know, were too. But like, it it's not even a thing I would have even thought about until like that's uh, of all the of all the characters. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, okay, that that track's really weird. Um, but anyway, you know, that ends up becoming a useful, uh, plot point and stuff, uh, at, at that point. And, and, you know, they're kind of, uh, um, in a sense, the, the villains, if you want to call them that, you know, are end up, you know, having to pay for, for that, that behavior, uh, and that treatment and stuff. But it's, uh, just, just, you know, that as soon as that scene breaks, I'm like, Oh, hmm. Yeah. yeah. Whoops. Um, okay, Danny. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, you know, so it's a, um, it's a really, yeah, it's a really intense, um, intense war film. Um, but it's not, and I think the, uh, the, the one thing that I like again about the, um, the speed mm-hmm. uh, of the infected in this film too, is it creates such, quicker scares too because i think you know there's more i i i'm not incredibly well versed in zombie genre outside of you know the first half of the walking dead series Mm -hmm. i guess Mm -hmm. and a lot of that was really more anticipation dread because you just Mm -hmm. like once you turn a corner and real, you know, you have that stormtrooper moment where you realize you're, you're down the hall from like 50 of them and you're like, Oh no, yeah. you know, and then the dread sets in and then the, mm-hmm. and, but, but here, yeah. um, they, they get up on you, you know, you and it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of that a little bit of that quiet place feel, yeah. you know, a, a lot of that stuff. So it's, um, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I think for me, like it does, as as realistic, if you can have a realistic take on zombies, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think this would be it because of the way the infection tra- the speed that it travels. Because I mean, if you think about most zombie movies, and I mean, uh, setting aside the concept, you know, uh, um, the realism of zombies in general. Like if someone gets bitten and then it takes whatever, eight hours mm-hmm. or 24 hours or 48, 72, whatever, usually it's pretty slow. Mm-hmm. It's pretty slow and then they are slow moving. And so a lot of these shows like The Walking Dead and stuff like that, I'm like, wouldn't you be able to kind of solve this problem early on at, at the at the speed they go? And so yeah. that was one of the things that kind of drew me to this was just the speed at which the infection, I mean, a matter of seconds before it takes Mm -hmm. over your body. And then, and it's also not just like a bite, you know, it's like, they're just like puking up blood, you know, spewing blood in your eyes and everything else. And, and, and that's how you can get infected. So that, that was one thing that I liked about it. And then, you know, I had to go back to look and see, the timeline for this and the walking dead comic series, because of course the walking dead is based on the TV shows based on the comic series. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well now wait a minute, which one of these actually came first? Because yeah. in both of them, we have the protagonist waking up from a coma, uh, into a world of zombies where again, spoiler, uh, ultimately the story becomes 
about how the humans are the real threat. Mm. Um, and so I'm like, which one of these came first? And so 28 days later did come first. Um, the walking dead comic, uh, released, I think towards the end of 2003, a little bit after this movie. And so I'm like, okay, well now, because, it, because if I had gone back and seen like, oh, well they just kind of copied the, the walking dead comic, but apparently the walking dead comic may have copied in some ways, 28 days later. Mm, um, so, so that was what, like now, again, after going through, gosh, what, like 11 seasons of the walking dead, you know, if you're just now coming around to 28 days later, it, it, it's going to feel like for a lot of people, it's going to feel like, Oh, well, eh, we've been there and done that. And we have over and over, but back then, at least for me, that seemed like sort of a new, um, you know, take on, we're going to focus more on, you know, the zombies are just really going to kind of be a vehicle for showing the depravity of, you know, how quickly things can, can degenerate for human beings. Yeah. And then sort of tying that to our own pandemic, yeah. <laughs> you know, sort yeah. of on, on a different level, uh, obviously, thankfully things haven't gotten to that level with our pandemic, but proportionally, um, for, for in certain ways you, you it, it has sort of, um, validated some of that for me. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, this, I, I can see because originally yeah. I was like, man, you know, these guys really jumped to the nuclear option within a month here. Would that really happen? And then you start seeing the ways things are playing out in the real world here with certain things. Again, a much lower level, but the proportion of the response is like, okay, okay. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have criticized that after all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think of, you know, go ahead, Tim. No, I was going to say, I, I really, I, I like what you said. I agree. I, I was thinking a lot about how this kind of, you know, in the past, you know, it was zombies, the sort of like slow lumbering hordes of, it, it almost felt like a different allegory, a different idea that we were trying to come across, you know, like the death of civilization through like the thoughtless masses, you know, people that are group yeah. think or whatever. And I, I like how this, it's more, yeah, more our own worst that the worst parts of our nature, you know, the rage, the, it, it was kind of tackling, you know, how I guess the death of society, the death of civilization, tackling the ideas of that through that route. Yeah. Our own worst impulses instead of, I don't know, instead of, you know, the, the mindless mm -hmm. sort of, we're just going to go along with, I don't know. I, I really liked how it shifted and kind of turned in a different direction. And it was interesting to me. Well, you're yeah. totally onto that, Tim. I mean, um, zombie films, uh, I think throughout history have always had some sort of social or political allegory mm -hmm. to them. And during this time, one of the things about the, uh, the transmission of the virus being so blood oriented, a lot of this was, um, I want to say based, but like inspired yeah. by, uh, Ebola. Mm -hmm. Um, and mm -hmm. then, um, there were thankfully Boyle and his crew were tasteful enough. They had a lot of montages at the beginning of like, you know, unrest and things like that. But there were um, thinking about like the genocide in Rwanda and and uh, there were also it mentioned uprisings, uprisings in Sierra Leone and, and stuff like that were kind of talking about that rage, you know, like uh, that combined with um <laughs> This all seems yeah. silly in retrospect, but like the the hysteria over mad cow disease, mm, yeah. 
and things like that and sort of social hysteria and and um over uh over disease and um that being the very thing too like it's Mm -hmm. um um i can't remember exactly how they phrased it but i'll just kind of uh, trans paraphrase it myself but how you know you, you don't see this fleshed out in a variety of ways but um this rage uh inducing viruses is 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 almost like alcoholism in a way in that it brings to the surface the you know it, it just amplifies mm-hmm. who you are or in this case yeah. the worst of who you are yeah. and brings that out yeah. um and and the thing about zombies too that i i really am intrigued by is that I feel like, and especially in the last, you know, however many, we tend, we tend to find an, an enemy, like we tend to other create, you know, an enemy in, in other people, you know, like they're the, this, mm-hmm. this person, this group is a threat. And so that, that yeah. like a lot of horror movies, you know, like the monsters or aliens are always, you know, are all the threat, but the zombies is like, oh no, it's us. like, we're all, <laughs> we're all in, it's, we're the threat. And I am really that. That really it was something I was thinking about as watching this too, as I was watching this, and especially later on in the in the film too. But that it kind of tears down those ideas of like, oh no, it's not we're 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 pure, we're fine. It's these these people, you know, we you know, it's it's make enemies out of others, and it's like, no, we're 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 the enemies. <laughs> it's us. <laughs> right. Well, right. I think you know that's that's a very strong and salient point um, that's that's brought up, especially you see it with. Uh, Eccleston's character and his charge over the soldiers and stuff. I think there's a lot of a tying to that depravity and evil to the abandonment of hope as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, um, Gleason's character meets his demise pretty much the moment he decides to abandon hope, even just for a second. And then, Mm -hmm. and if we can remove (laughs) empathy and, and care for our, which is the problem with this virus in the first place, but um, for, from the from the equation, um, Eccleston's rationale for the decisions that he's ma- making, um, like makes sense on paper, you know, mm-hmm. until you uh, until you include an actual human element to the situation and like, Oh wait, we can't just do things like that. And so I, I mean, it's a, it's a 20 year old film at this point. I don't mind us spoiling anymore, but by the way, uh, I should say, I, I didn't go through any of the, the stuff here, but the, um, the rotten tomato scores on 28 days later were in the mid eighties. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the critic and, and user and, uh, ratings were very closely tied. I want to say about 86 and 85% somewhere in that range. Uh, IMDB has it as mid seven, like a 7.5, 7.6. Um, it's currently, if you, if you have Amazon prime, it's, uh, available, uh, to watch on prime right now. So, uh, at least that's where I watched it today. Um, so you can, you can see it there. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, you know, we are, are, we follow our protagonists. They, they seem to, they have followed, you know, to Jared, much like Tim, much like lost. They, they, they hear a radio transmission that's on repeats <laughs> and they go to find the source and, and, uh, be, except this one is promising safety and salvation. Um, and they reach it and it's a military controlled, it looks, you know, it looks like a Biltmore estate type place, mm-hmm. um, which I will say from a tactical standpoint was a brilliant idea to take over a place that had this huge wide open front yard. So when mm-hmm. the, that scene where the rage, you know, monsters, zombies start charging, they have like this wide open shot. I was like, actually that's, that's pretty clever, yeah. um, <laughs> for that. And, um, <clears throat> so, but they, um, they, he, 
um, Jim has this um, conversation with uh, Major West, and when showing him the chained up uh, zombie that they have, and and he says, you know, they have no future because they don't know how, you know, they they don't know how to sustain themselves because they're mindless monsters, basically. So that means they'll eventually starve. Um, And he says, but at the same time, we have to decide, you know, or like, how are we not going to starve ourselves? You know, Um, we have to have a future as well. And there, and, and, you know, just ever so briefly, there is a, and I do mean fleeting, a, a fleeting moment of sympathetic desperation there in him because his idea to to execute that we'll discuss in a second here um, comes from comes from a, a care for his men because he sees one of his men um, about to take his own life, which he's just saying in conversation. It's an exposition. You don't see this happen. But in that moment, he says, well, you know, I promised them a future. And and that meant basically you know, repopulation. Um, so, which meant they needed women. And so they have lured the group there to basically because of the women in their pack, which is, um, Selena, which is the, the co-lead with Killian Murphy played by Naomi Harris and Hannah, which is the teenage daughter of Brendan Gleeson. And so, uh, things get really dark there. <laughs> um, at that point. Um, and that's where we kind of start to see, you know, the evils of things. And that has me, you know, again, Jared, you'd mentioned, I mean, obviously, yeah, we're in the middle of a pandemic now, but I think that is the, the scariest of the, of the ugly face uh, that we see both in allegory and in reality is uh, people abandoning, not just their own humanity, but, but abandoning the humanity of others um, mm-hmm. in that moment for, for the perception of their own survival, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, in this case, it's it's terrible, but it's done out of a place of like, well, we're gonna we're gonna ultimately do this good thing, and uh, all I hear now is, I have rights. It's, it's yeah. not even a, you know, it's it's not even a pretend noble thing. It's just I want to dress up like characters from Hamilton and pretend we're in the revolutionary times, and it's just, right. um, so. You know, what do we do with that in these situations? Like, you know, what what can we take away? from from stories like this where we see that you know even the villain even the villains one think they're doing a good thing or they think they're standing up for a really good cause or even even you know their ends justify their means um uh in these things but but at the same time to do so is um you know, I, I meant to say, and and to all that description from from Major West is his decision and the and the catalyst from his man were were both abandonments of hope as well. Like mm-hmm. this is the thing we have to do because there's no future for us. So there's there's no hope for us, um, and that leads them to different ways. It led one guy to 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 try to make a suicide attempt and and led him to you know I, I'd like to pretend that he wasn't a t- despicable person before that maybe he was maybe he wasn't but um he talk he talks like somebody who probably wouldn't have done that if the situations were different um they still did so um so there's that so what is that you know how do those things tie together and and what do we take away from a from a story like this that has those 
um, sort of uh, decisions to do. Yeah, I mean, I I think for me, gosh, it's it's complex because on one hand, I want to just say, well, you know, the moral should be, yeah, don't don't abandon hope. Um, maybe listen to if some guys spouting what sounds like some reason, maybe think it through and like, <laughs> oh yeah, the whole the whole island could be quarantined. Maybe the world is still out there. Um, but then we, we see like the, like dark mirror version of that with people saying like, oh, COVID's no big deal. This is fake. This is, you know, so, so you can't really like boil it down to that sort of simplicity. Um, I think part of it is, um, you know, like realizing that people like with these guys, even though they justify it as, wanting to, you know even as as Christopher Eccleston's character justifies it as as wanting to have a future like that's not really what they want i mean be, the, these are just like crass guys who basically want to gang rape the the female characters they're not like they're not like plotting some plan for the future of um society and so i mean i think i think one you know, thing is, you know, the, and, and the people that would, would probably need to hear it are, are probably not going to do that is, you know, examine your own motives to see if you're putting sort of a veneer of nobility over something that's just awful and selfish, yeah. you know. Yeah. There are definitely people who would probably call them patriots now. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. those, uh, those people exist. I'm not saying who those people are, and I'm not trying to be coy either, because I think even people I disagree with, there are people I disagree with who would probably still find that behavior disgusting. But, yeah. um, but, but there, but there are some who ain't though. Uh, yeah. At the same time, I'm glad I'm not the only one that like that has to be the one to say it. I'm just glad you <laughs> did it instead of me. From <laughs> that's okay. I, I don't mind stepping in every once in a while, yeah. get, getting my hands dirty. <laughs> Speaking of getting our hands dirty, so there's uh, probably the most gruesome scene in the movie isn't actually involve a zombie at all. It's um, Jim. You know that they oh, yeah. they attempt to rape. Um, Selena, I think it's Selena. Um, at that point, and Jim comes saving back in, and 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 uh, boy, <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's intense. Yeah, there, uh, there, there's a scene like that in Game of Thrones, but ratcheted up about ten times oh, more man. gruesome. <sighs> and like I, I could have, I only watched it once, and I couldn't watch it again. This one doesn't bother me as much in comparison to that one, yeah. but yeah, it's it's one of the most gruesome things you can do. Well, I'll give Boyle this for, you know, their approach to shooting the film doesn't really linger very much on anything. So you don't have to see anything for very long. Everything's pretty frantic the whole time. So that's helpful in that situation at least. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will say too, like there is, um, I was, uh, it felt, (laughs) this is going to sound like a criticism, but I don't mean it. I actually like really enjoyed it. It's like, his, you know, Jim is 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 an everyman. Like he's he's not. Like he uses a baseball bat as his weapon. Like even Naomi is using uh, Naomi. Sorry, that's a real name. Selena <laughs> is using a uh, machete. Um, and you know everybody else is so much more well equipped. I mean, goodness, even Hannah uses a car. 
So like, uh, which was highly satisfying. Um, but you know, he, he probably uses the least effective weaponry. Um, he's probably the least vengeful, um, out of everyone. Um, and he's just, uh, but, but also, I don't know. It's, there's something hobbitish about him. Like he's almost kind of naive mm-hmm. and that's the reason that he can survive, you know? Yeah. It's, I wouldn't say that like, Oh, that means he's immune to the virus or something, <laughs> but, but like in a way, you know, his commitment to doing the right thing mm-hmm. and being protective over the innocent and stuff in this story. It's not like a, I wouldn't call it a superpower, but, but it is something that kind of is his saving grace many times. And so his, which I think is a great plan. He makes his way back after escaping the compound well, to save I, the day. Go ahead. Go let, ahead. Let me just throw in real quick. Like when he makes that first kill outside the walls, Coming off of Die Hard, I kind of just imagined him like taking the time to write a note for Christopher Eccleston's character that says, "Now I have a machine, machine gun, gun too." <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Right. Yes, you just see him taking the time, scribbling in blood. <laughs> yeah, what would be the cultural equivalent in in the UK for UPKA? I don't know. Um, you know uh, yeah, che- cheerio. cheerio. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> cheerio, um, Cheerio, Mr. Falcon. Um, yeah. So that should have been our episode. Too. Uh, yeah. um, oh, well. So he comes back and he sets, uh, he, he is the great emancipator of uh, the chained zombie and uh, sets, sets, it, sets it loose inside the compound. And I loved, there was a sort of like, Metal Gear Solid, like Solid Snake slash Batman, mm-hmm. Arkham Asylum type feel to him, just like running by the windows, just kind of observing yeah. the, yeah. the of the chaos happen without ha- having to actually get his hands dirty uh, for the most well until they get very dirty at the end with the with that that one kill that he makes, mm. but but um. Anyway, I I, uh, I I really enjoyed that plan that they um stayed true to his character he de- he didn't all of a sudden become a formidable right. foe with yeah. a machine gun against a bunch yeah. of sh- soldiers um I, I i i won't say convenient but I, I i thought that it would be harder than it was once all the soldiers were killed or returned um i thought it would be harder for them to get out of the house than it was yeah but uh but you know minor that's minor um <laughs> and uh so yeah, but but I I appreciated that uh, that sequence. I thought it was pretty entertaining and and yeah. thoughtful uh, on his side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did think it was interesting at the very end, like before you know, obviously before Selena and him, you know, make you know kiss. She has this moment, you know, he's covered in blood. It's yeah. that yes. brutal fight, and she is kind of wondering, is he tur- like, is this? Because he's obscured by the shadows and stuff. And so I thought that was a really fascinating kind of, I haven't thought too much into it, but just that idea of like what, you know, trying to keep this out of your wall, you know, out of this, you Mm -hmm. know, all of your walls. It's not, you can't, I don't know if, if you're present there, it's not, I don't know what I'm making sense. It's not, it's not at bay. I don't know. Well, well, she, she, she tells him, you know, at the beginning, oh, um, I won't, I won't, I won't hesitate or, you know, or a heartbeat. Wait a second. Yeah. 
And so, so that's the thing is that's her character arc Mm -hmm. is she's the survivalist and she's like, I'll leave you behind, blah, 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 all this stuff. But over the course of the, the movie and this relationship that they develop and the fact that he comes back for her, she's willing to take the chance you know, about risking her own life it, that he might be infected and, mm. and kill her. Um, so yeah, yeah, that like was, it. that was a great, that was a great moment. Yeah. That was shot so well though, you know, from her perspective to where you could see, she didn't know yeah. if he was, if he was still human or, or not. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I forgot all about that for a minute. That was, yeah, that was peak tension. I was, I thought she was going to do it too, you know? And then I love how uh, they cut the, you know, they added the humor with Hannah not knowing that they were ki- <laughs> kissing. She thought yeah. he was biting her. She hit, you know, I thought right. that was amusing. Yeah. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> it's like, like a glass bottle or something. That was, that oh, was man. Yeah. Cause when she came up too, I was like, oh, no, because listen, Brit- British movies can be notorious for just ripping your heart out. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, oh no, she didn't just kill him now. Didn't, didn't she? Like, <laughs> oh, um, which would have been terrible, but, um, <laughs> Anyway, and, and then like her being, and I could just see her, you know, hopped up on Valium, just being like, oh, well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I don't know where I was going. No, okay. I, I was going to say um, the, the one thing that, the one little criticism I have uh, of the movie that, that this is kind of, this was kind of strange to me is they have a freeze frame in the movie that I had forgotten about. But at the end, where the car crashes through the gates going out, they have a freeze frame of Selena and Jim like lunging forward. And and it had never really struck me before, but now like it just strikes me as so odd and out of place. The, there were a lot of unique camera shots in this film. Like, to the point early on where we thought something was wrong with our stream. Like there's a, (laughs) there early on, they are, um, ah, gosh, I don't remember where they are, but they were sleeping and the sun was coming up, um, over the city. And like in the bottom part of the frame, uh, maybe even the bottom, like two thirds of the frame, you see the city, but like up in the corner of the screen, you just see like the bottom half of somebody's mouth. Like oh, yeah. they're still sleeping. Yeah. And I'm like, is our internet buffering right now? What's <laughs> going on? But it was just like this sort of weird halfway Star Wars type wipe, you know, like yeah. um they transition between. So yeah, no, that that uh that certainly tracks with that that uh crashing through the gate. Um, shot too. Yeah. Every once in a while, it wasn't pervasive, but every once in a while I was just like this, who signed off on this shot? Like, yeah. you know, right. So part of me that feels like Boyle just wanted to be like, you know what? I, I really want that shot in there. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, but you know, Boyle is that, that makes me think that Boyle has done so many, um, so many films. And one of the ones Sorry, hiccups. Um, he did was a Slumdog Millionaire, and I remember there being a couple. Of, there's like a freeze frame shot, I think, in one of the in, in that movie too, if I'm remembering it correctly. I don't know if either of you have seen that, but um, where a child like <laughs> is on a basically in an outhouse on stilts, 
and has mm. to like jump out of it into well, you can imagine. Right. Um, and he like arises out of it like Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th, except he's in jubilation. Uh, and it's just like, yeah. And like with his arms up and I'm pretty sure they freeze on that too, which is just like super weird. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I guess he just likes, likes it. Um, fun fact, at least the, I'm doing some of these from memory. Um, but uh, Killian Murphy um, actually was not his first uh, choice for Jim. Uh, originally, I think he was going to go work with Ewan McGregor. Mm. Um, and Ewan McGregor, though, apparently had a falling out with him. Well, I say a falling out. I think they, they you know, mended fences later on. But um, he, um, McGregor was also going to be in the, uh, 2000 film The Beach, but he ended up dropping out of that, and Leonardo DiCaprio came in. Um, if I'm remembering that right, or was he in The Beach? I I never saw The Beach. I'm sorry. Um, but no, no, he wasn't. So anyway, um, so yeah, I think he was. Um, McGregor was up for DiCaprio's role in The Beach. They had a falling out. DiCaprio goes in, and that in turn took him out of. Um, his his intentions for being in Twenty Eight Days Later. Hmm. I could, yeah, I could see that. Like, like they have like, to me, like sort of a similar look yeah. in some ways. I could, I could have seen you and you and McGregor. In that, that ends up working out well, though, because he, um, b- because they said that they were really trying. You know, in retrospect, I think they were glad to have gone for unknowns, mm-hmm. mostly unknowns in that film, because it helps with the suspension of disbelief um, mm-hmm. in the film as well. So yeah. I think that's yeah. A, a good. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. So do you want to know, like, how, because having seen 28 Weeks Later, have you have you seen 28 Weeks Later, Tim? I, I feel really bad. I did see it, but I remember almost not. I don't I don't know if I was just not in the right place, but I, I remember so little about it. I need, I need to watch it again. No, no, I don't know that you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so if, if we want to like have a little like post, you know, like basically like a summary of what we find out totally. from from about 28 days later from 28 weeks later, um, unless there's anything. Is there anything you else that I, think I mean we can still go back to it afterwards? But. No, I mean I'm I'm pretty oh, much yeah. wrapped up on this for the most yeah. part. We can we can move forward. Okay, so so in so there is a sequel 28 weeks later, and uh, it, it it's not yeah it's like 28 days harder or something like that. We, <laughs> we <get done. laughs> 28 fast 28 years. Right. So 28 weeks later, we find out that um that the soldier that was locked up there with Jim like was right that that it was like that um that you know Britain was quarantined. And it makes sense if you think about it. I mean, because the virus is so fast spreading, like, you know, how's it going to get off of there initially? Or at yeah. least yeah, that's right. what you yeah. know makes sense. So it was, and so twenty-eight weeks later is um, basically everyone coming back after all the infected have have died, 
the setup for the film is actually really good. It starts out like um, in the same time that it was happening. And it's this guy, um, he and his wife flee to this like place in the countryside with all these other people who have like holed up in this farmhouse and infected break in. Um, he and his wife and this kid that they found are in this bedroom. They get kind of separated where he's near the window, his wife and has gone to try to save the kid. She's in a closet and basically infected bust in. There's really nothing he can do. Like he can either die there with them or he can run for it. And he runs for it. He abandons like his wife is, is and that kid are there at the window and he just takes off. And so it's sort of an interesting setup because, you you know, you don't normally have, you know, what seems like the protagonist uh, just being, you know, a coward who leaves his wife and, you know, a, a kid to die. So it picks up um, then, yeah, 28 weeks later where he comes back uh, to England, I think with his kids. I don't remember how his kids factored in, if they got out before or if they, I don't know. Anyway, if they were somewhere else while it was going on with the grandparents in France, I don't know. Anyway, he comes back and um, he goes back to his old house and his wife is there. Um, she's survived because she has this like rare mutation where you can get bitten and not become infected. You're just a carrier. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, so then he gets reunited with her, like in the hospital, they go to have her checked out and he starts kissing her. And then, she, then he gets infected because she's just a carrier, uh, but she can't get infected. So then he starts spreading it again. He dies. And then like, it turns to like the kids, are the protagonists and then one of the kids is also has that same mutation where the kid is just a carrier and so then you see at the end of that movie where the kid's gone to another country and then that movie ends with like in paris where you just see like or the legs of infected running and the you know the snarls and stuff like that to show that it has gotten out so sort of both like yeah it was just limited to England in that first go round, but then they introduce the idea of someone who can just be a, car- a carrier, and then you know infect and travel and infect other people. But 28, 28 weeks later started with a, a very interesting premise, but then it just kind of fizzled out to me. <clears throat> yeah, it sounds interesting. Um, I was just looking at the cast. Um. The cast is pretty interesting. I don't know if you so I see Rose Byrne and Jeremy Renner and Harold Perrineau oh, wow. and Idris Elba and uh, Robert yeah. Carlyle, which I find that to be interesting because I don't know if you ever watched Once Upon a Time. That's what I was going to tell you. That's the only place that, that I knew him from besides this, but yeah. I didn't really, didn't really watch it. But yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just funny because that sort of cowardly behavior of like leaving his family behind is like his soul uh, character trait. Oh, okay. So that's, okay. uh, well, it's not a soul trait, but it's, it's this most recurring one. Um, anyway, yeah, that's a, uh, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So you can, you can skip, you can probably skip. <laughs> yeah. Well, later. look, so they changed, they changed directors in the sequel as well, mm-hmm. which is a shame because they have such a powerful cast. Yeah. Um, but this guy who did, uh, this guy who did, 
28 weeks later, I mean, he's done, no, no offense to him, but he's done next to nothing uh, recognizable that I can see. So, anyway, but, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. <sighs> but, once again, 28 days later, I think, you know, really a, a groundbreaking, low, low budget, but high energy um, horror film uh, available on Amazon Prime right now. And, um, by all means, check it out. It's, uh, it's, you know, it does, it has, you know, all the good things a zombie movie has. It's got commentary. It's got, you know, horror. Um, it's got, I think, you know, a cast that works pretty well together. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting ride. So, um, any, any last, <laughs> any last words on, uh, on 28 days later, guys? I think I covered pretty much all of mine in that little 28 weeks later wrap up. <laughs> yeah, so we got Next time, again. 28 yeah. days later. Um, yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, uh, thank you for joining us for, uh, thanks a lot, PETA. Um, <laughs> and please uh, feel free to reach out to us uh, anywhere that, uh, uh, we are on social media, uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. Um, be on the lookout for a new episode to come next week. And um, again, you can find 28 Days Later on Amazon Prime. Take check that out. Um, and it is it is not it is not like Finding Nemo in any way. Uh, <laughs> I should let you know that there's actually um, a fish. There's a fish in it. You remember? If that's you right. Oh, yeah, the goldfish with the really there's low the goldfish water. with the really low water yeah. in the in the apartment of the, <laughs> that yeah. part is like Finding Nemo. Yeah, um, it is. Where they is. let the tank get dirty and yeah. tend to escape. Yeah, uh, that's that's <laughs> not it. Um, so just be aware. Um, I was going to try to make a joke, but uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing was going to say about any of the running through my head. So uh, never mind. All right, guys. Well, thanks uh, before I get out of control here. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. And uh, until next time, keep working on your night cheese. Dad, is that really a rat singing that song? <laughs>